Who do you believe in? Who moves you? Who inspires you? My name is Tariq Ture, and I want you to meet some of the people that inspire me. And they've done that simply because no matter the situation, they've gone above and beyond. Welcome to Above and Beyond. Assalamu alaikum, salam, and peace. Everybody, this is the Above and Beyond podcast. I'm Tariq Ture. I'm excited, excited, excited this evening to have somebody uh, on the podcast who I believe has done just that, go above and beyond. Um, But she's also opened a gateway for a lot of young Muslim sisters who want to chase that dream and chase that fever of competition in basketball. And I believe, you know, particularly this week, everybody is reminded of the beauty of the game, of the love of the game because of passing the Kobe Bryant. but Bill Keys uh, Abdul Kadir is here with us. Um, a little bit about her. Um, number one, uh, she's from Massachusetts. Uh, she holds a few records up there, some slight records up there. Um, she scored uh, over 3,000 points in her career, um, breaking both male and female scoring records in Massachusetts. Um, she graduated magna cum laude uh, with a bachelor's in health and human performance and exercise from the University of Memphis. So shout out to Penny Hardaway. I know he just got that, that coaching job down there. Um, she finished at Indiana State University, um, where she is currently a graduate assistant, um, with Indiana State women's basketball team, um, and is completing her master's degree in coaching. Um, she's also the founder of Muslim Girls Hoop 2, which is an initiative that I believe is going to bring a lot of talent to the forefront in the Muslim community. So we really about to see some sisters doing some amazing things. Um, and she was just featured, I believe, uh, in a Nike commercial and a part of a Nike campaign. Um, and she also was a lead front runner in getting, uh, FIBA to stop their ban of, a, a ban of not letting people, um, like slaying sisters wear hijab during competition. So without further ado, um, I hope I did my very best intro in that. We have uh, Bill Keith of Dukadil on the podcast. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. Salam alaikum. Uh, you did a really great job. You, you <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no, no, you're good. I was like, man, I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing. Uh, that way, well, at least a good portion of it. That way people can get a little bit about you. Um, so Massachusetts, let's, let's start there. Um, what is, what is, what is life like in Massachusetts and what is, what is hoop life like in Massachusetts? So, uh, when people think of Massachusetts, they think of, I'm gonna be absolutely blunt, rich white people. Okay. And, um, it's funny because I'm like, no part of that is, is, is what I grew up in. You know, I right. live in Springfield, Massachusetts, um, the majority is the minority, you know, mm. and Springfield, Massachusetts is the birthplace of basketball. So Ooh. it was basketball was there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, growing up in Massachusetts as a Muslim, um, really coming up in, in a black Muslim household, the community was uh, very small, um, mm-hmm. not at all. um What's the word? Not at all diverse. Started in a house, you know, and with like three or four families. My mm-hmm. family was one of them. My aunt's family, you know. So it was it was an interesting, it was an interesting um, upbringing. Now that I, you know, in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Basketball was what kept us going, you know, mm-hmm. side of our Islam, outside of what our parents were trying to instill in us and our aunts and uncles, like sport was was the guiding light in a way right you know and especially coming up in a small city like springfield massachusetts where pretty much everybody knew everybody mm-hmm. um yeah it's just a it's, it's a quirky place honestly real weird <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine yeah. um i had a uh, i had a homie that w- was from i can't remember what what place in connecticut he was from mm-hmm. but Hart- he said it might have been Hartford, but he sounded like both members of Mob Deep, like the way he talked, the way he dressed, like everything. <laughs> and I was like, man, what y'all got going on up north, man? Um, right, right. Yeah. 
right, right. Um, so, so I know you said basketball kind of kept you out of things. I know for, for myself, I've been playing organized sports, uh, since I was nine. Um, and I know for me, it was like literally, uh, you know, you kind of, as an athlete, you live like a sheltered lifestyle. And then also on top of that, as like a young Muslim kid growing up in the city, you live like a double sheltered lifestyle. So you have sports, which keeps you occupied from, um, dust till dawn. And if it's not that, then it's like your parents are trying to manage aspects of your life. So you don't dip into things you don't need to dip into. And, um, so did you feel like that early on? Did you, were you that occupied as well? Absolutely. Um, you know, of course our parents try to do our best to try to keep us occupied, but, um, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was hard because, um, there weren't a lot of Muslim families in in uh, in my city, you know, and we had our cousins, and that's who you usually kind of live life in and experience uh, stuff with, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, the good and the bad, you know, the wrong and the right. Um, but a majority, like, the, being a basketball player in Springfield, there weren't a lot of Muslims, you know. Mm-hmm. Teams. So a lot of the times, my brothers were the only Muslims on their team. I was the only Muslim on my team. Um, there was a sprinkle here and there, but I think that was a challenge in itself, you know. So mm-hmm. organized sport, there was a positive to it mm-hmm. as far as us having something to do and providing mm-hmm. that discipline and that uh, that focus and all of that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. on the other end of it, it was like a, it was almost like a a, a double-edged sword because um it was it was difficult to be muslim all the time you know especially when all your teammates are not so i think it was tough even for my parents at times i know my umi and my abu question like ah should we let her play on this team or should we let them go on this tournament you know what i'm saying Mm, right but they knew that that was the opportunity we needed to to pay for college, mm-hmm. you know. So you just take the hit, you know, or you just pray your way through it. At that point, that's what my parents did. They they kind of prayed their way through it. Right, right. No, I get it. I um I remember initially asking like, "Can I play football?" And my parents being like, "No," nah, because they think about the whole just the culture of sport that comes with it, and you know, you go to a uh, you go to a football game, a basketball game, and some sections you be having the drunkest people on earth there, or you know, it's just kind of it's you know we're very like uh, we try to be very modest <laughs> in our approach to like public life and stuff, and so sports kind of thrust you within anything, um, for better or worse, and so I, I can I can definitely like relate to that a hundred percent. Did was there any point where you were like, all right, I'm going to take this more seriously? Where your parents were like, okay, we're going to put her in some type of training because I think about now how much kids they have trainers, they have two trainers, they have the YouTube trainer, they got the the the, the trainer that's at the high school, um, they might have a third trainer to stretch them out, they might have yoga, and I'd be like, man, this kid is seven years old, like, but that may be the level of competition now, but. Um, how did you hone your skills early? Watching and playing mm. with boys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Like, I, I'm the youngest of eight. I have four sisters Ooh. and three And um, pretty much everybody played basketball. I would honestly say with the exception of, like, two of my sisters. Mm. And um, my brother's right above me in the lineup when we first got our, our basketball hoop. Uh, in our backyard, it was like tournament city. Like on, <laughs> on our, the whole neighborhood was was in our backyard playing three on three, two on two. Sometimes okay. it'd be four, four games on this one hoop. It'd be crazy in the yard. And I just remember, you know, really wanting to be just like my brothers, especially okay. in the basketball aspect. So I'm like, whatever moves they whatever moves they would make, I'm trying to mirror it. Right. You know, I couldn't I could never play with them because I was always too little. But I was be on the sideline dribbling my ball, 
Uh-huh. And it, so it started, it started real early. And then there was a park down the street from my house mm-hmm. where I, just nothing but boys playing. So I, you know, walk on the court and I get picked up and I got to hold my own, you know. Mm-hmm. So I learned there was no such thing as a trainer back <laughs> when I was, <laughs> and I'm not, not that old, but that training stuff, like I'm, my husband and I are trainers ourselves. Right. And really got to, we have to be honest with ourselves. It's like, does this kid really need training right now? Like sometimes mm. we just, just play one-on-one with somebody. Right. That's how you learn basketball, you know, and that's how you get that. We like to call it the dog in you, you know. Right, like, right. Of course. Close bar, you lose and you do whatever, you, you know, you, you, you work, you talk mm-hmm. dumb, you, you know, you just build that confidence up. Right, so, right. I didn't have weight training. I didn't have agility training, none of that. It was <laughs> go play outside. Right, that right, right. To success. And I, <laughs> and I still think that's the key, but it's just not enough of it anymore. Okay, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think I might have heard J.R. Smith saying something about, yeah, you know, all this training stuff. Like, people just need to go ahead and just go outside, go to a court and play with, People who are on a high, you know, go play with the big boys, go play with people on the highest skill level. And, uh, I'm, a, I'm a true believer in that. Um, I think definitely because so many other kids are doing it, it you kind of get trapped in that world of being like, all right, well, I need to get this extra edge. So let me go ahead and, and, and flip 60 tires and jump over 60 cones and just like do all that type of crazy stuff, um, to get ready. Um, you had a, the interesting thing about your, your, your prolific, um, high school career is that till this day, I want to, I want to say to this day on record, my, my mother still has the article that went like nationwide on her refrigerator. Um, from when I believe you dropped 50, was it 51? 50 something. I know it was, yeah, it was like 51, (laughs) something like that. And I mean, of course, you know, I'm, I'm having my own like, uh, career and it's supposed to like, hold on, you got her. Listen, I ain't making it to the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and she, uh, she had picture and I was like, this is real, man. This yeah, real. yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother is like, she's a diehard fan of just sports and just sports excellence ever since I was little. And so, you know, if you made it for, if you made some ice refrigerator, you, you definitely was legit. Um, but definitely, you know, after, I guess, having a prolific high school career and having, you know, everything on the up and up, um, how was college? And then, um, how was this, that transition moving into like professional, professional basketball and, and just all those obstacles? So honestly, college was really a, um, a learning stage for me and, in every way that I can think possible, right? You know, right now, and it was uh, it start it starts off with the recruiting. Like mm. recruiting is really, really a business. Um, and people, you read about it, but when you experience it, mm-hmm. you really are like being bought. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. You're getting sold everything, man. <laughs> you're, you're 17 years old, 16, 17, and you having to make one of the biggest decisions of your life, you mm-hmm. know, where I'm going to spend essentially my like young adult years mm-hmm. with this coach, with the, with the players that come in with me. So, um, you think going in is easy, but you really have to, you really have to weigh a lot of pros and cons. And mm-hmm. I chose ultimately when I chose university of Memphis, um, my parents and I went on the visit. We felt comfortable. Um, we, like the coaches showed us the masjid and was like, you know, whatever gear you need to wear as far as like the long sleeves, the long pants, we got it. Um, oh man, they was trying to sell you. I mean, they introduced us, introduced us to a Muslim professor. Woo. It went all out, like everything in, in, you know, honestly, at that moment, I wasn't that wrapped up in the Islamic part, you know, uh-huh, right. parents were, but I wasn't, you know, so I'm like, okay, my parents are happy with it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I liked the campus. I wanted to go far away from, you know, from my hometown. I wanted to experience, you know, life. Right. And, um, it was an opportunity for us to play in a conference where there wasn't just one team that wins it every year. Mm, okay. Like, 
you know, I liked it. I chose University of Memphis. And then, man, you get there and they flip the script on you. And that's what happened mm. to me Um, in a lot of different ways. Like, she kind of just ripped me to shreds. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't make it any better. I tore my ACL my freshman year. Mm. It was how many that, like, I see now the fruits of it. I mean, I saw the fruits of it when I was going through the therapy. You know, like, maturity-wise, I wasn't ready to play. Right. My body wasn't ready for the, the training that I was actually going through. I mean, they throw you in. You come in the summer as a baby, and they're putting you in a weight room. They're throwing weights on your back. Like, yeah. I've never lifted a bar in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, you know what? Right. It, it was a transition for sure. And, right. and I think I learned a lot about myself through those four years, five mm-hmm. years I had in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy. I mean, you're tested in so many different ways, especially like being a Muslim and then having the little status that I had right. in college, like that's, it means nothing at that point. Yeah. 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 No, it makes sense. I, um, I was speaking to another, uh, like fellow, you know, collegiate, uh, Muslim athlete. And one of the things we were saying is a lot of times when people, particularly Muslim organizations, when they bring you to speak on your experience, um, and you, you've had to do this a lot, and they want, like, give my kids here the sunshine and rainbow story that, you know, you made, you made every Salah five times on time. There was never a time where you didn't make it. You know, everything was perfect. You 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 had Zam Zam water in your Gatorade bottle. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, just tell, give, give them the sunshine and rainbows and, and you really have to be like, okay, when the parents leave the room, hey, look, we, you know, we slipped up like anybody else. Um, like any, any other teenager or adolescent trying to maneuver through uh, a college campus or trying to maneuver through a newer world without the, the guardrails of your family or your, or your community, um, your master and, only by the grace of Allah, you kind of like made it through the fire. Man. And so, you know, I, you know, I don't know how much you can, you know, relate to that, but it, it, so I know sometimes, you know, me and the other brother were talking about that, that you really, you have to do that. Be like, look, let's, let's have a real conversation. I mean, honestly, there were days where there was a party happening right in my living room and it's, right. my room is a door down and it's like, right. do I go or do I just stay in my room? You right. know what I'm saying? At right. 18, 19, like seriously. Right, right, exactly. 19-year-old, do you really know who has their stand, like, on a point where they're strong enough to be like, nah, I'm not going to. Like, I'm going to. You know? And so, I mean, I know there were boundaries that I would never cross, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I had my teammates offer me alcohol after alcohol shots. Yo, Mm -hmm. Keith, it just tastes like fruit punch. No, it tastes like soda. You know, like, I knew my boundaries, you know, and I'm like, nah, mm. y'all on some other stuff, because y'all don't even look like you having fun when you're drinking it. It looks mm. you know, it's just like, so, you know, you, I would say, honestly, my, my Umi and my Abu's du'as were like, um, like, I know they were praying for me. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I know it, because mm. ain't no way I would have made it through without that. Right. Oh, and... It's crazy. I remember the day that uh I opened my suitcase. Like I went and I got shipped off to school, get to get to my apartment, open up my bag, and my mother slipped a letter in there for me. Mm-hmm. And basically, she knew what that I was like, you know, struggling with my hijab and my modesty. You know, prayer was not never a hard, it was honestly never a hardship because like my parents, that's one thing that they did. They instilled salah in us like no other. Like we prayed almost every prayer together as a family, you know? So I knew the importance of Salah. I'm not saying I never missed it or, but I knew that I, that's one thing I never stopped doing was praying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who was around me, where I was, whatever. But I do know my Umi in this letter, she was basically like, look, you know, you keep Allah first. You read your Quran when you, when you can, you know, you remember, you just remember Allah as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading the letter like and just kind of throwing it to the wayside and it's crazy because uh five years later when i was going through this fever situation i find the letter that she wrote me mm. and then reading it in that moment i was like in tears like 
she her she didn't stop praying for me. I know you right. know it was crazy. It was right. just crazy how law like how law works, you know. So right. anyway, um that was that part of it, but basketball wise going through college, I mean, I had to I had to fight for my position. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't start coming out my um after my injury. Like mm-hmm. I worked, you know, and I had to prove myself. And that's right. any athlete, you know, and it was crazy because I was a scorer. Like coming right. out of high school, I was averaging 40 points a game. And I know that I can do this at the next level. But when you have a coach that almost didn't want me to have that, uh, that shine, I guess, mm-hmm. or, you know, it was, it was weird. It was a weird situation. I mean, like I was told, like, don't shoot, pass the mm. ball to the to the open player or this is not the Kesey show or like these are things that my coach was telling me and I'm like what are you doing? I'm just, right. yo, I'm trying to help my team win just like you're trying to help the team win right. so it, was, it was some crazy stuff but how many that like like I said it was a learning lesson and I you know I made sure that I grinded regardless because I knew that I wanted to play professionally you know right so right. I, I got the free education how many mm-hmm. that, you know we didn't have to pay a penny for undergrad or or master's degree, right? And that's one thing that I you know I wanted to ha- wanted to make sure my parents didn't have to worry about. And then you know I was ready to start my career as a basketball player, and of course that got cut short. So, um, and that's when things started kind of shifting in my little life. Yeah, yeah, I um definitely uh you know peace and peace and and just security. And, and grace and comfort um, goes out to the family of Kobe Bryant. Um, I think one of the things that, that he embodied was having a deep, unwavering love of the game mm-hmm. and just almost it, it oozed out of him. Like, I've picked this this ball up and it's going to become a part of me. It's not even going to be, I'm not playing basketball, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm being basketball. And so he was able, before, before he passed, he was able to articulate that in his career. He was also able to articulate that in, in coaching, but he also did it with film as well to be able to say, I want my life to be a representation of, of what it looks like when somebody steeps himself in their craft and to, for you to come upon a situation in your own life where I, you know, I, I assume you have that deep love as well, but that that love was was uh, taken from you and, and then dangled in front of you, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> in, in many ways because of something that uh, Allah ordained in your faith. And so can you speak to that situation with FIBA and kind of like how all that got started? Um, so, yeah, you know, honestly, the fear that I had going into, like, my professional career was, am I good enough? Hmm. That was the fear that I had, you know, and it was, can I play at the next level? And, of course, you know, I, if anybody asked me, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, definitely. But you right. know, we sometimes have these insecurities, like, did I work hard enough? Like, sometimes I felt like the game kind of came so easy to me from day one that I didn't train as hard as I probably should have trained, you know, because it was it was it was a natural ability. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so sometimes I look I look back and I kind of took that for granted, you know, the the aspect of like just digging as deep as I could to become the best player, like like the Mamba mentality, you mm-hmm. know. Um, that's something that's not really given. That's something that you just, you, you have to, you have to grind for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody can feel that. So I, honestly, I don't think I felt that. Like, mm-hmm. I love basketball, but it came too easy and I took advantage of it. Like, I could, I can honestly say that now, but after I, you know, went to a combine, which, you know, you, you, you kind of train or you play in front of, coaches and scouts overseas and you know WNBA scouts so on and so forth like I did well um I thought I did well I got picked up by an agency like everything was kind of going as planned you know like oh 
I'm going to be overseas in two months. Mm. I might have not have signed the best of contracts, but I was hoping for a solid $2,500 a month tax-free, not right. having to worry about anything my freshman year, and then, you know, proving myself and go ahead and moving up. Right. You know, that's what it was going to be if, 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 if that's what it, you know, right. that was so for me. So, so who? <laughs> exactly. Right. So who? <laughs> In a beautiful country, you know, travel the world and then right. whatever, whatever from there. Like, I just knew that I wanted to play. And, um, you know, when I got this call from my agent, basically saying that, oh, we need to check into this rule that FIBA has about, you know, wearing certain headgear, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, that's not even, like, why are we stressing about that? Like, come on, keep sending my resume out. Go ahead and, you know, let's let's get a deal at this point. Absolutely. Man, we, we spoke to FIBA just to try to make sure everything would, you know, would be okay. And that's when they hit me with, we want to keep the game religiously neutral. And I'm like, okay, hold on. You know, like, what is, what does that even mean? Number, right. number what does that mean? And then, you know, after kind of thinking about it, I'm like, well, no, because players, like you hear me say this in any speech or any video, like players with tattoos of biblical scriptures or. Mm-hmm. Prophet Isa on their arm, Jesus, you know, like, right. That's religious freedom. Like they're expressing what they believe in on their body. And you see that oftentimes in, in the professional league. So why shouldn't they cover those up? If I can't wear my hijab, why, why can they show their tattoos that, you know, expresses their faith? And, And I think FIBA knew with that, that they didn't, there was no comeback after that. So mm. the last thing I heard from them, you know, during that whole situation was, oh, well, actually, you can hurt somebody with the scarf. It's a safety hazard. Really? That's like, safe. you going to take it off mid-oop and, like, strangle Yo, somebody with it? It's going to magically unwrap off my head, trip up some ankles, <laughs> magic carpet type stuff. Like, it was crazy to me. Like, that's when... That's when we knew that it was okay. There's more to it than than just these rules that they're just throwing at me. <laughs> and that's when we figured like this has to be some type. It had to be discrimination, you know, or some type of fear or whatever. And what could? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, no, go ahead. What could? Did Did you ever, I guess, get a hold on what could possibly be at stake if they? if they allowed you to play in hijab? That's actually a good question. Um, no. Did they I, think, I, like, it was going to be, like, a like a drove of, like, Muslim sisters doing 360s and they couldn't have that? Like, what did they? <laughs> or was just like, this is something we can get away with, so we're going to get away with it. Man, I really don't even know. And it just is mind-boggling just because, I mean, to international league, you know, you got, you have FIBA sanctioned leagues in Riyadh, in, in Saudi Arabia as a whole, you know, like you're in Muslim countries. So right. why wouldn't you actually want to kind of grow the game in a way on, on your end? Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I honestly, till this day, I don't know what the, what the purpose was, why mm-hmm. they, why they took four years to uplift the brand. Four years. You so know? what did you do within those four years? Well, the first year I went through it. <laughs> I was about like, to say, them courts around the way wasn't safe. They like, <laughs> we, we got to get Shorty back overseas because she is cutting people up from, from dust till dark. It was, it was honestly, though, it was a point where I thought that we were going to be able to get them to just be, maybe I needed another waiver, like I needed mm. in college, you know. Um, but these people, it was, like FIBA is like a secret society. Like you can, getting in touch with them was insane after that last like correspondence with the whole hijab being a safety hazard, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, what can we do to kind of see if they'll allow me to play? Mm-hmm. And they respond to us. They mm. and that's when the petition came out. We got over a hundred thousand signatures on this petition, myself and another sister. Um mm-hmm. 
And so when I realized that FIBA, like they didn't care, they basically some I forget who's who's who got this email, but they said the petition basically means nothing. Like you go ahead and keep getting signatures, it don't bother us. Wow. So at that point, that's when I started questioning everything because I realized that preseason, if I were to sign a contract, I would have been over there August, maybe early September training. Mm-hmm. You know, preseason with my team. And July rolls around and I'm like, okay, am I like, is this not going to happen? You know what I'm saying? Like I've been going forth for two months since I would say the end of my senior season, which is think about March madness had to be March March that I, you know, that I found out about the rule Mm -hmm. in those, you know, in those few months going through the summer, like, all right, we, something's going to bite, something's going to bite. And Mm -hmm. August rolls around nothing and so at that point i'm questioning like man what's next for me like i gotta go get a regular job i ain't never have a a job in my life i've been playing basketball for however long i had started my master's degree during my senior season so i had that to finish but like none of that was in in my plans you know and so that's when i started questioning like islam as a whole like I was going through a dark, dark phase. Like, man, like I'm gonna take my. Do I even want to wear my hijab anymore? Is this even for me? Is the slam even for me? Right. I was losing it, you know, and, and um, it was rough. Yeah. And, you know, through that, like, I ended up really having to dig down deep, just personally. Not even forget about basketball. Forget about. What was next? Like, I was a Muslim, like, I, for a long time, I was the girl who, the Muslim girl who played basketball, you know? Mm-hmm. And you take out the basketball part, and I'm just a Muslim. And so that's when I was like, I need to check myself. Right. Am I doing the Muslim part right? Essentially. Right. right. And so, uh, Allah works in ways that you're not ready for, but he, you know, he tested my time with what I love the most. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, most, I think <laughs> that, 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 that resonates because, I mean, it's really, it's really like a Rahma, but you don't, you don't really see it as that because you feel like you've been, you're being plunged into like this water that you can't even swim in. And it's really to grow your, your, your endurance as a Muslim, you know, to grow your, your stamina with Islam. Because, you know, there may be some, some battles ahead that you need to be prepared for that are much worse than what you think you're going through. Um, or to make them easier, to make, you know, to make the later battles easier. And I think with situations like the one you just explained is that some people take that first L. You know, some people, they kind of like, I had to get, Alan obviously said it the other day. You know, I, I, you know, all the stuff y'all doing pregame, you know, the fact that y'all can wear tattoos, the fact that y'all can do X, Y, Z. I'm the one who got put on the cross for that. I'm the one who, who was getting banned and, and, and mistreated. And I was just, uh, remembering how much refs didn't call fouls for him. And he, he is like 180 pounds and his, his career was limited because he was injured so much, but, a part of that played in was because, all right, you want to be a tough guy, you want to be this bad boy, you want to be a renegade, then, yeah, you don't get no fouls. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, he had to be, he had to be that sacrificial lamb and you live through it yourself in, in, in your own way. And, uh, it's beautiful now because, you know, you have a younger group coming up with you who, uh, can experience the fruit of that labor. So, you know, it's okay to remind them to let them know, like, hey, <laughs> you see what y'all are doing? I had to, I had to take yeah. that out. If yeah. they ever forget, it'll play like they forget. Um, and so what, how was, how was going back and getting, finally getting back into basketball? Um, and then I guess, you know, we can, we can move into Muslim girls hoop too. And then you could tell me a little bit about that. But first, just, you know, how was, how was actually finally getting the opportunity to play? How at was you? Could you feel a dog coming out? Like, <laughs> was you ready to rock and roll? How was that? So, 
there was really just one opportunity that I took, um, which was, I would say, about four or five months after the band was lifted. Um, random got called to play with the Somalian team. Um, oh, okay. Over, uh, what are Go ahead. I said, what did they say? What are y'all? <laughs> <laughs> Over in uh, this Air Boomin sports, tourna- sports tournament in Sharjah, UAE. It's about 30 minutes outside of Dubai. Random. Um, I was like, honestly, I hadn't formally trained or played in in that. Like, that four years was like, I played pickup here and there. You know, there was no, like, I didn't have nothing to motivate me to be like, let me get up and grind. You know right. what I'm saying? I'm up at. I'm doing the casual, like, yeah, I'm going to the gym. I felt like a normal, like, just person. I'll go to the gym. Like, <laughs> I run, I, you know, I used to run two miles almost every morning. Like, that was kind of my outlet. And mm-hmm. then, honestly, I didn't play pickup. Like, I didn't play ball for a while just because it hurt to play. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, like, it was hard for me to watch and it was hard for me to play because I'm like, I don't just play for fun. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I, <laughs> I play because... Like the, the, I'm trying to win something, or I'm, trying, you know, right. there's a purpose. So pickup ball used to be tough for me because I was almost too competitive to be playing pickup ball. <laughs> right, right. Like, what is so, she on? Yeah, so I just, um, I played here and there throughout those years, but when this opportunity came up, literally, I had, we, had, I just got married. My husband is actually a coach and a trainer or whatever. I, so I'm a I look at him and I'm like. I got to get some shots up before I get on this plane. You know, like it was, <laughs> so it's, man, it's midnight in Memphis, Tennessee. We got a gym. We, we look, alhamdulillah, we had a gym to just get into. And I, that was like the first workout I had done in four years, man. Ooh. And so I'm winded. I'm sure. <laughs> got me doing pull up, pull up jump shots, one dribble jump shots, crossover. And I'm dying. I'm like, <laughs> He's like, nah, you got five more. I remember it was like it was last night. You got five more. Come on, you got it. So literally, I did like an hour workout before I got on this plane to Dubai. And I'm, wallahi, I'm not going to tell you. I mean, I'm a, I, it was, I was nervous. But then I thought that this tournament overseas was going to be like a joke. You know, I'm like, man, these, these women don't know how to hoop for real. You know, I don't know right. how to play again. So I'm like, I'm playing in Sharjah. Like, right. where, who, where is this? So we land, we get to the city, and there are billboards for this tournament, statues for it. Like, they took this, this tournament is, like, basically a mini Olympics over there. So I'm wow. like, my husband, I'm like, A.W., you see this? He's like, <laughs> yo, this cameras, we get into the gym. I mean, like, they were, it was crazy. So I see the other team this first day. I'm nervous. My team is full is number one full of like I think like two high school players one for you know Jamad the girl that that yeah went yeah viral. yeah I'm sure. she was I'm with the handles yeah she she was barely a freshman in college I'm the only one that really knows how to compete at a high level you know so I'm looking across the court and we're about to play an actual overseas team with three girls who are former Division one athletes. Woo. And the rest of them of, of our course, like Jordanians or Egyptians or whatever they were. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, this is about to be the battle amongst the Americans. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I at that point, I'm like, all right, they probably don't think I could play. They don't, Nobody knows who I for real am out here. Right. Well, you, well, else you told yourself that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I told myself. And... I think my first game, I ended up scoring. We lost, but I ended up scoring like 38 points. Oh, yeah, 38. you lost your mind. I, lo- I don't know where it came from. I honestly don't know where it came from. I was like, I know my knees felt it after. <laughs> but it's a lot like it was like riding a bike. And it mm-hmm. was amazing, like the most amazing feeling. Like I can't even describe. Like right now I'm kind of shaking because I was just like, I didn't think I was ever going to compete again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really didn't think like I, after FIBA lifted the band up, it was almost like I had to, like, I grieved, I got through it. 
And mm-hmm. then boom, they removed the rule. And here I am, like, everybody's expecting me to play again. Indeed, right. that's why I don't think it's in me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like, physically, I can mm-hmm. do it. But mentally, am I ready to grind like that? 6 a.m. workouts, two a day, getting uh, getting 500 shots up in a day. Like, am I ready for that? Mm, and so right. that's what I was battling with, you know. But so I had this opportunity to play in this tournament. Um, SubhanAllah, like, the coaches from the other teams were like, who are you? How old is she? And <laughs> at that point, I'm, I'm 27. They think I'm young. Right. right. But I'm like, they're like, 27? Right. Yeah, you know the FIBA situation, and a lot of the coaches knew about knew about the FIBA stuff. Uh, so they like that's you. Yeah, they were like that's you. Wow. And, um, I did get gain some interest from those coaches, but you know I didn't follow through. I just you I were just happy to be hooping. Exactly, and I was just like, you know, this was to go up against some WNBA players and some Division One athletes who are now, you know, who were then professional athletes. I'm like. I did have it in me, you know, and mm-hmm. I guess that's what I needed to go ahead and like complete the chat, like complete the story for me. Right. Right. And so, um, that tournament is what did it for me. Like, all right, I could have did this, you know? Right. right. So. It was, uh, kind of valid, validating maybe some, because you, you, I, I think in the beginning you said, you were questioning, like, can I, can I play on this level? Right. And so you finally get to play, you finally get to play, uh, against those players. And, um, so there's, 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 uh, of course, a lot of, a lot of young Muslim girls you're in contact with now who their aspirations are to, are to go the same route with hopefully less obstacles and speed bumps. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how is Muslim girls hoop too, you know, which is, I assume is your baby. Um, how is, how did that come about? And what is that like? What has that been like, the experience of bringing, bringing that to different people, communities, families, and players, first and foremost? So I honestly, Muslim girls hoop too started off as a hashtag during like my little battle with FIBA. Um, mm, I so- seen it. Uh-huh. Yeah, my family used to wear T-shirts and got T-shirts made, and people were just people would ask like, "What does Muslim girls hoop to mean?" And then you got to explain it. You know, it was a way to kind of break that mold and really, honestly, like it was dawa, man. It was it mm-hmm. was crazy how how sport can can really break down barriers. You know, mm-hmm. asking what does that mean on your shirt, right? And, um started off as that hashtag and I started to do you know when I started to get requests for like speaking engagements or can you come run a clinic here and there I was just like yo let me just call it Muslim Girls Hoop too you know and it kind of just umbrellas like everything that I stand for Mm -hmm. um and kind of just everything that I want to just promote like not even only about basketball you know Mm -hmm. it stands for more than than that it's just hooping and so um what i what i see from it now is or what i get from it now is just this gratification of i did choose the right path you know well i didn't Allah gave me the right path you know like when i teach a girl how to make her first shot or how to do her first dribble in between the legs like the light in their eyes is amazing like, right. I just, just made that. You're like, yeah, you just, you know, it's, it's crazy that a one shot can change a girl's, can, can change a girl's life. And then, then the mother sees her daughter do it. The mm-hmm. father sees his daughter do it. And then it's just like, takes off from there because it becomes a passion. Right. And it becomes a, a outlet. It becomes an opportunity and, a, and like another pathway to success. Like, yeah, you don't have to be an elite athlete. You don't have to go play Division One basketball, but you can use this as a way to continue to teach people about Islam. Go play for your high school team. Be the only one that wears hijab on your team. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, people don't understand how beautiful that was for, for me when I was, you know, wearing hijab and stepping on the court. I mean, I used to get laughed at, talked about, 
But when I would hit a three in somebody's face and cross somebody up after the game, there was a line for me waiting. Excuse me, <laughs> you're really good. Can, can right. I ask why you have that on? Right. <laughs> right. Like, you know, right there, I'm teaching somebody about Islam. Oh, well, I'm Muslim, and this is what mm. Muslims can do. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, I can play basketball with it on with no problems. Right. And, and give you a 50 ball. <laughs> You might be mad, but you can't be that mad. Like, dang, she just be with a full sweatsuit on. What am I doing? <laughs> That's great. Um, one of the things I always say uh, is that there's more LeBrons. And when I say there's more LeBrons, that doesn't mean – sometimes it's misconstrued when I say that. When I say there's more LeBrons, I mean – there are more exceptional athletes in basketball, football, whatever, whatever sport you want to play. And uh, I grew up in an area where you miss out on a lot of them because of just the, the environment. And sometimes the environment sucks them away. You know, it's like a vacuum. You, you know, it's a hope and a prayer that you're actually able to finally get to be able to display your talents on a high level for more people to see. And I can think of countless people that I grew up with that were phenomenal athletes, like beyond your wildest dreams that didn't really get to put that athleticism and that skill on on a high level on display for everybody. And so when I saw uh, Jamad, I was like, oh, yeah, she's ill. Like, she's (laughs) surely can cook. And at the same time, I, in the back of my head, I was thinking, there's got to be more Jamaz. There's yeah. got to be more. And so from your camps and, and you're, you're going around having to speak and go doing clinics, do you get that same or am I tripping? You know, or, or is there, there more potential for more for if, uh, we as a Muslim community say, Hey, we're going to use this as an outlet for our young girls. Like you, you see, you see a few demods, right? Mm. But they're not enough. Mm. And like you said, the last thing you said, we we need to create those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And a lot, lot of like us, a lot of women who wish they could have played sports and didn't are like reliving their dreams now that they're married and they, you know, they're they see what sport can do and they're like, I play basketball and on Sundays with, you know, with other sisters and it's it's the the best time of my life. You know, like it's, it's an amazing feeling that we're really taking away from our girls because of the cultural norms, you know, that some of these sisters, these young girls come from, or just the simple fact that there's Friday night basketball for boys, but not for girls. Hmm. So where are we forcing our girls to go on Friday nights? to watch the boys play, right? you know, to want to be in, you know, around the boys and just, you know, it's like, so we're, we're, we're failing our sisters. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so I I guess that's my goal um, is to help these girls find that passion, even if it's not even for basketball, whatever, just find something to be proud of and, and do it to their, to the best of their ability. And um, man, like, I know in the, in the Somali community, now that Jamad is, she took her, she did right for her people. Like, mm. like they, they, in Somali, they, she's like a huge celebrity, especially amongst her community. Right. So she got Somalian girls ready to play. Right. You know? And, and it's a beautiful thing to see. And it's just like, it, it's crazy because I, I played with her years ago. You know, well, not years, yeah, a couple years ago at that tournament. Mm-hmm. She was just a baby, right? You know like I was like, "Come on, you gotta shoot the ball. Don't be, <laughs> you know, like let's go." And she was one of the first ones who bought my Muslim girls hoop two shirt. Mm. So subhanAllah, like to see her in her, you know, in her, she found her niche and is is you know, keep inspiring your people, you know. And I think that's what we need to do. And as long as I can, as long as I can shoot a three and make a free throw. <laughs> I'm gonna try to keep it going, you know. Right. Um, um, yeah. So lastly, um, 
two things, two things. One, um, what has it been like working with Nike? Uh, mm-hmm. and can you, before we roll out, can you tell folks about, um, the documentary and basically where, where they can continue to travel with you on this journey? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Since day one, I, I love Nike's Jordans. I was actually, I was a sneakerhead, like terribly. <laughs> I spent my last on a pair of Jordans on a Saturday. <laughs> And uh, one of my, I'm telling you, one of my dreams was I'm gonna be the first Muslim Nike model. That was mm. that was my dream growing up. Okay. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> no, it, it came when it was supposed to come. And so, um, I did a few projects with Nike, and that led to the Jordan commercial. Mm. The, the the Jordan Unite. And so Nike has, you know, brought me out for a few different things. Like I tested the the new swimmer out, did mm-hmm. a few um grassroots commercials for like smaller venues. Um and you know, a lot of people have like when they came out with the hijab, I was a little disappointed in it. Number one right, because right. I felt like I should have been one of the ones to to be involved in the making of it. Right, right. The timing of it was very close to when FIBA made the decision. Okay. You know, through some things that I heard, you know, I heard that the that had an, an impact on the creation of this hijab, along with Ittihad, along with the boxer and somebody else overseas that they had, um, you know, that they were working with. Um, mm-hmm. But now that now that I did some more work with them and I see the people behind it, um, they're really it's really positive. You know what okay. I'm saying? Outside the making the money part, outside of people saying, "Oh, they, you know, there's." Muslim brands that are doing the same thing, absolutely. And I support whoever I can with the, you know, with the hijabs. But right. you think about Nike and then them promoting it on their platform. Like, it was huge for us. Right. I can't take that away. So right. anyway, it was it was honestly a blessing to work with them. Um, and they're good people behind closed doors. Like people that I saw really grinding to make this modest wear and actually getting it approved and people just going for it. Right. It was like, all right, I appreciate what y'all are doing. You know, aside from that, you know, like it was my little dream come true. It was getting a couple pairs of sneakers for, you know, (laughs) for the work that you did. Like, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is cool. But aside from that, um, I'm like, it was, I'll be open to do some more stuff with them, you know, if, if need be. And, uh, it's just a great opportunity, really. Um, and then the movie, Life Without Basketball, the documentary, I should say, um, literally, it, it, the title is what it is. And uh, it, these two producers, um, and be blunt, two white men um, <laughs> from Boston, Massachusetts, which when you talk about Boston, is definitely uh, what you think when you think about Boston. <laughs> All I hear about is that, it, it, like, Boston, Boston, like, uh, white dudes are like there's racist white dudes and then there's Boston and Boston has like extra star asterisks underlined it's italicized yeah. bolded <laughs> so tell, tell me about your two Boston white men <laughs> yeah so these guys um nah great men honestly like I was a little in the beginning I was um a little apprehensive because I was just like do y'all even like I didn't know any of the work that they did. They said, you know, they did some stuff with ESPN, little commercials here and there. And they mm-hmm. were like, look, we found, you know, we, I learned through your story to one of my, one of my former teammates. And I was like, okay, then it seems a little safe, you know, mm-hmm. I trust my teammate, you know, so she's sending me maybe somebody good my way. And they were like, look, we really just want to make a two to three minute video. Um, and we're just going to, you know, follow you around, interview a few times. And it turned into four years. They recorded everything in between the time I stopped playing, learned about FIBA, to the time FIBA uplifted the band and after. Wow. And I mean, they really became a part of our family. I mean, these people were in our homes for Sahur time, man, watching us pray. We like it was like they were everywhere. It became like a reality show almost. Like <laughs> the cameras were there, and um, so the movie is 
streaming on all platforms, well, not streaming, but can be rented or bought on pretty much any platform you could think of. Um, the goal is a Netflix or, you know, HBO films. Um, Come on, Netflix, stop playing. Man, right? And so, inshallah, you know, whatever is best. But right now, I was doing pop-ups in small communities, um, still doing film festivals with it. And um, they honestly did a great job. Like, when I watched it to approve to approve it, my family and I watched it. We were like, they did they did a great job. So, um, my Abu is a huge part in the movie. Of course, my story. And really, they just did a good job of normalizing, like, a black Muslim family. Like, the struggles, the successes, um, that we're, we're normal people going through normal life things. And, you know, we, we, we essentially prayed our way through a lot of it and used each other, you know, to kind of get through the battles that we faced, whether as a family or just personally, whatever. So they did a real good job. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ha- I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. Um, alhamdulillah, you know, they, they, they put together, I mean, for me, it's, it's saying something like that, um, put on screen. What it does is it it acts as an archive, and I always say this mm-hmm. because you never know. Fifty years from now, FIBA might say, "Oh, they forgot," and they put another band on. <laughs> um, and you always had this documentary to kind of lean back on to have your history. Um, you've been kind of you've been kind of etched in, you know, in in engraved in, in our memory banks, and. That's what it's all about. You know, if you think about sports and, and what people dedicate their life to when they dedicate their life to the game is that they want to make an impression upon people by their excellence. But Muslims, you know, our ultimate goal is to be a, a beacon of light through our religion. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you double dip there. And that is, that's remarkable. And um, I think, you know, the community, the community, the wider community is better for it. So, you know, just thank you um, for doing that. Thank you for letting those two Boston white men, you know, into your, <laughs> into your circumference. <laughs> and thank you. Know, thanks to your Abu for, for, for letting that go down too. Cause I, you know, I got girls too. So I can only imagine like, hold on, you let, they're going to do what? They're going to be able to score. Like, oh, so. He, he was ready for the camera. He was ready <laughs> for the camera. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, you know, inshallah, um, I, I, I think it would be, it'd be really dope to, to kind of double back on this conversation a little bit later. Um, after there's been some more camps, clinics, and, and just more rounds made with Muslim girls hoop too. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see, you know, we saw Jamal. I'm, I'm super impressed. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed. But I know there's a, there, you know, there's a Bill Keese 3.0 out there. There's a, there's a Jamar 3.0 out there and y'all are building them. Um, so, you know, just for, from everybody, you know, I think I speak for everybody when I say we appreciate what you do, um, what you mean. And, you know, we want to give you your roses now. And so I'm thankful that you allowed me to document a little bit of this on the podcast and, um, you know, just keep going above and beyond. Um, that's why I made the podcast is because trying to reach out to people who just do that. So um your life speaks for itself. So just thank you. Thank you. And I I appreciate it. This was relaxing. I was like, man, I hope this is not gonna be intense tonight, but <laughs> it's all it always feels good to kind of talk about it all over again, you know. So thank you for the opportunity, you know. For sure. So long I'll, you know, bring buttercut to everything you do, your family and Absolutely. uh ease our ease our past, man. That's it. Absolutely. Same, same to y'all as well. And, uh, inshallah, you know, maybe the next podcast we talk about who wins out of your husband and one on one. Um, we're going to put that on record right now. <laughs> That'll tear up our household. We got to keep that. We, we got to keep that real short. It gets ugly. All right. Hold on. So, so who's your favorite basketball team? Ah, I have players okay. right now. So I'm do y'all have a player a, player beef type of thing? Does he have a team? Like, nah. See, we don't even really watch a lot. Thing is, we don't even watch a lot of basketball. We don't. Ah, okay. Competing, competing, us two. Yeah. 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 Right. 
You only want to go there. <laughs> Not for real. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, well, give him uh, my salams, inshallah. Hopefully, uh, one day I get to meet him. And uh, y'all just take care of yourselves. All right. Inshallah. Inshallah. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. You're welcome.